Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Brady's All Alone in the Universe, which is me referencing something that Pete used to say when we would have a guest on, which was, we're not alone in the universe. And I would always make fun of him, but now that Pete's not here, I'm, I'm feeling, I don't know, I'm feeling reminiscent. I miss you, big guy. Uh, okay, so 007. Films that I had never seen. Um, and so the plan is to work through all of the 007 films, all 27, which includes the two films that were not produced by Eon, uh, the films that nobody remembers, talks about, or cares about, uh, but we're going to review them anyways, because why the hell not? Um, and when we started out this little um, venture... We made it very clear from the get-go that this was my venture, that this was something I was interested in doing. Pete wasn't um, as much, uh, but he would review the first couple with me to kind of get the ball rolling, and then I would take over, and a lot of the episodes would mostly just have me doing them. Um, and then... Uh, then we kind of, you know, we leaned, we we grew into what our 007 episodes were going to look like, um, which was uh, Pete did a little bit of trivia, as he usually does, and then I had a ranking system, and it was kind of fun to bounce the numbers off each other and see how did he score it versus I score it, and, and quite often there was um, quite a bit of similarity uh, but then ultimately what we realized was um, there was there's there was no way for me to just record the episode without Pete's components involved as well. So he's recorded some separate components that I'm going to edit in. So I'll be talking for some of this and then he'll be talking for some of this. And, and uh, let me just say, I feel like we're shortchanging you. I feel like this isn't going to be any good. I feel like we're going to lose the dynamic that we have in the in the podcast, and it's not going to be any good. Uh, which means as soon as we're done this episode, I am going to flop it down on Pete's desk and say, Pete, this sucks. Uh, and moving forward, you have to be in all the 007 episodes with me because he's planning on watching the films anyways. A lot of them he hasn't seen. He's planning on watching them coinciding with me watching them anyways, so he might as well be in them. So I'm going to try to convince him to be in them. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a very good episode. I apologize. I feel like I'm breaking every rule of podcasting. I feel like I'm not supposed to say that this isn't going to be a good episode, but I don't think it's going to be any good. Uh, so anyways, Thunderball. Thunderball was this week's uh, 007 film. Um, so I've got a ranking system, um, which is eight categories, uh, and I just talk about um, you know what I thought of each category. Uh, I give it a score from 0 to 10, and then I average those numbers, uh, and that gives me my film score overall so this is pete here i'm gonna give my thoughts on thunderball uh the 1965 james bond film which i had never seen before with the famous tagline bond is back and this time he can cure your insomnia or at least that's how i felt um and i don't know fully how brady felt but this was definitely not my most favorite installment 
thus far. Uh, some quick things before I just go over my grading scores. Uh, this is the third and final Bond film directed by Terrence Young. So I'm mildly curious if we'll be able to see a discernible difference going forward just in the style or the overall product of these films as, as the director changes. Uh, of note, this would have actually been the first Bond film in the series, but there was actually a legal dispute over some copyright issues, so they didn't get fully resolved for quite some time, but they were eventually resolved enough to have Thunderball be made in 1965. And also of note, to date, the novel Thunderball has actually been adapted cinematically twice. So once for, obviously, Thunderball, but a uh, second time in the 1983 Never Say Never Again, the non-Eon Bond film featuring Sean Connery. Uh, so just getting right into it, the plot, I give it 3 out of 10. To this film's credit, it was pretty clear and straightforward from the Spectre meeting at the start. You know, we knew what their intentions were and what they were going to do. Unlike some of the films in the past where Brady and I were both kind of confused and using Wikipedia to find out what was going on in the plot, it was pretty straightforward in Thunderball. I didn't need to look up some other source to kind of catch up to figure out what was happening. So that was one good thing. However, uh, this is the first bombed Bond film with a running time over two hours. And boy, did I notice it. I really don't think it needed to be near this length. And personally, I found myself getting quite bored for the majority of this story. I just, I never felt any urgency for Bond to resolve the problem for his ransom deadline. Overall, the story I just found slowly progressed, and it was very 1960s-ish action sequences where I'd wonder to myself, did I need to watch all this underwater scene or this weapons being moved scene at full length without any cut scenes? And specifically to the underwater segments that I felt could have been cut down. It's significant in this film because literally a quarter of the screen time is underwater. Um, the Largo Bond interaction I found a little bit odd too. Like they're kind of, they're obviously adversaries, but they're still kind of putting on a facade of gun firing with each other and sh showing each other Shark Tank and Domino changing from one swimsuit to another in front of the two. And hey, Largo's like, hey, look after my woman for me, will you tonight? And ultimately, it did pick up near the end for the last few minutes. Um, and it, as far as a captivating perspective, it did pick up a little bit. But um, and another positive thing, I literally laughed out loud when Bond threw a chair at someone in that final action sequence in the bridges or in the ship's bridge. But uh, my only flaw with the ending would be the end scene where the skyhook escape, um, although it's very James Bondish and has a James Bond feel, you know, where the plane catches his hook and he they go flying off in the sunset. Um, I was surprised we didn't have another Bond film where he romanced a woman in a boat to end the film. And also, I, I just felt like the way it was portrayed, it seemed a little fake and false just because he, he totally got ragdolled at the end. So I feel that much whiplash would probably either be fatal or very dangerous to someone. So I gave the plot a 3 out of 10. The portrayal of Bond, I give him a 6 out of 10. I still like Sean Connery, but this this wasn't my most favorite edition of Sean Connery. Um, again, he just pushes those inappropriate boundaries. Specifically, I'm going to talk about the one with this healthcare worker. I'm sure the College of Physiotherapists in that jurisdiction would have something to say about that conduct. Um, and also, I literally can't believe he told Agent Volp, what I did tonight was for king and country. Don't think I took any pleasure from it. I, 
I I guess that you know I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised with James Bond being sleazy because it's 1960s and he's he's a player. But again, I gave it a six out of ten. Still like Sean Carney, just not my favorite version of him. The villain I gave a five out of ten. Kind of mid range for me. Every opportunity they used in this film, they for both the villain and for Spectre, they used to show just how evil and dang cutthroat uh, Spectre can be. They just show someone getting electrocuted in the initial meeting. The pilot lookalike who was involved in the plot was killed underwater, and that henchman was just shown to, thrown, pardon me, to the pet sharks. Um, and straight up, uh, Bond or the villain is aware of Bond making a move on his woman, but he's just so focused on killing Bond as his objective for Spectre. Um, yeah, I, I gave the villain a 5 out of 10. Gadgets, to me, were kind of weak, to be honest. I give him a 3 out of 10. It started off strong with the rocket pack, and I just thought that was so iconic of Bond, so so fun, and it was stylish and made a debut, and it was fantastic. But beyond that, I really wasn't too impressed. I mean, there was maybe some here or there, but... To me, what really resounded and resonated was like the the gadget on the back of the car that was literally hoses shooting water from the back of the car that literally requires all the henchmen have to do is just move one step to the right or one step to the left to overcome this this gadget. And I, I just thought it was a little lame. So I gave it three out of ten. The fights and action sequences didn't do it for me. I give him a two out of ten. Um, you know, obviously with that kind of score, I wasn't overly impressed some of the wander water sequences with no dialogue i finally just kind of got so bored with i literally watched them in fast forward and even then they were still kind of too long and just personally weren't that captivating another and it was another case of we had another example of james bond with an absolute garbage unrealistic unbelievable escape from his captors where he's in the back of the car and some locals stop the car and he spills some liquor and he ignites a flame and he escapes and I just thought like you know we've seen it in the past where he'd con someone to opening his jail cell with this it was just so random and sporadic it was just a little unbelievable and what led next was a completely boring non-interesting non-captivating pursuit in a parade sequence and then what ultimately ended up with them dancing in a nightclub with, you know, an unending building tension between a mystery arm holding a gun and someone on the Congo drums. And it just kept going back and forth. And I was like, just shoot him for goodness sakes. I'm tired of watching this. And eventually Bond, you know, puts Agent Volp in the line of fire and that takes care of itself. Um, Specifically, what I thought was just so boring, or not boring, but just kind of just janky and poorly. Like, I don't know if there's a better way to visualize this in a film so i'm not sure i needed it in the film was the murder attempt of bond on the spinal traction machine just was so awkward and as brady would say it was just janky there's the shaky cam and the sped up cam and it was just kind of almost comedic like it's something you'd i'd find in a 1960s comedy almost but um just didn't really didn't really do it for me the bond girl i guess would be domino i liked the bond girl i gave her a six out of ten uh which isn't bad it's not the best but it's not bad um, personally, at least I would like how they, James Bond gave her some responsibility for the shared goal at hand. It wasn't just, you know, slap her on the backside and she's told it's time for men to talk. Um, but ultimately though, she's not given a lot of time for character development and exposure. We get some, you know, to the degree that at least we get the point of her emotional ties with her brother and get some emotional peeling back there, but it's not 
to the, the same degree as Honey Rider and Dr. No, the, the original film. So although there's some room for improvement, um, I still think Domino is better than most of the Bond women we've seen so far um, to this point anyway. Supporting characters, I just kind of gave it a meh, a 5 out of 10. I'm, I just kind of felt neutral. We've got a new Felix Leiter, who the actor apparently got replaced. Um, and at least in this edition, Felix Leiter is at least a little bit more competent. You know, he's involved with Bond's mission. He's involved with Bond's success. Uh, he's not just chilling at the local KFC, like two steps behind. My question with the sporting characters is what happened to that nuclear physicist? Because at the end, in the end sequence where they're about to crash at the end of the film... All three jump off the boat at the end, and he claims, I don't swim, and Bond says, give, you know, gives him a flotation device and says, well, now's a great time to learn. And then Domino and Bond fly off without him, and I'm like, what, what happened to this dude? Like, did he, you know, he had some moral redemption where he saved Domino, so I don't just want him to just rot in the ocean, so, like, what happened to him? But apparently we're not to know. The Bond song, I actually liked it. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, to me, I think to get any higher, we'll have to get to the more modern day songs that like, say with Adele's Skyfall that like really had a pop cultural following and it was a hit that those would be the highest scoring, um, Bond songs in my mind. But for this, I've never heard it before, but it was really good. Uh, you know, the opening with the song and the montage just really gives a James Bond feeling experience and vibe. And I'd say behind the Goldfinger song, which for me, I, I personally really enjoyed the Goldfinger, Goldfinger song. I'd say this James Bond song at the beginning is probably my second best of, so far of the, the films we've seen. Um, so uh, 7 out of 10 for the songs. My ultimate score then of the film, I'd probably give it a 4.6 out of 10. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, f I feel that doesn't accurately reflect how little I enjoyed the film. I'd say this is by far my least favorite of the first four giant James Bond films. Um, the one category that I kind of make a note of that isn't involved in my score is the James Bond one-liners. Um, and he had a couple of good zingers that stuck out to me where he, he comes into Moneypenny's office and that the motorcycle bike had just ex you know shot a rocket and exploded a car. And he comes in and he says, some people really burn you on the road these days. And personally, when he was with uh, Domino on the beach, he shot the henchman with the harpoon. And <laughs> he says, I think he gets the point. And I thought that was that was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically what I thought of uh, Thunderball. Uh, more like Sleep Ball or I Don't Care Ball. But regardless, 4.6 out of 10. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Without further ado, the first category is Plot. I gave this a four. I thought that Thunderball um, was simultaneously a boring idea, um, just just an oversimplified idea, uh, as well as also being a a confusing idea. Like I I I constantly found myself flip flopping back and forth between bored with it and then just completely confused as to what was happening or why any of this mattered uh which then ultimately led to more boredom um which you know surprise surprise does not make for a good viewing experience so i gave i gave i gave the plot an overall four i don't you know it didn't it didn't wow me the way i want to be wowed 
by a 007 film. The way I've come to expect, even though I'm often let down, uh, you know, I, I, you know, what's the point in watching a 007 film if it's not going to wow you? Uh, the next category is Portrayal of Bond. I gave this a six. I thought, uh, you know, part of 007 up until this point has been kind of a, a creepy, perverted, sex offender guy. Uh, and at times in this movie, maybe a little bit more than the others, I felt like he just leaned into that too hard. I felt pretty uncomfortable with some of the advances he made um, and just came across less like the gentleman spy and more like, uh, I don't know, just more like the, the, the creep. Like it came across as, as doing things to women that the villain would do and that the hero would would rescue the girl from. So I gave Portrayal of Bond a six. It was, it's definitely lower than my other um, appraisals of him. Uh, villain, I also gave a six. Um, I'm counting the villain as number two. Um, I think he's he's definitely, you know, with the eye patch and everything, he's, he's definitely a very stereotypical Bond villain. Like it felt, he felt like a Bond villain from his appearance and, and his demeanor. Um, but overall, I just thought his motives were kind of lacking. Uh, he didn't seem sinister enough. Like he, he, he was very aware of Bond the whole time and Bond's intentions. And he just didn't seem to put an effort forth to, you know, to try to foil him at all. So I gave that a six. I, I, again, it could have been much lower, but I really wasn't, uh, I wasn't wowed by it. Gadgets got a three. The gadgets in this suck. They just plain suck. It started out with a jetpack, and that was really cool. I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is, this is something we haven't seen Bond do before. Um, we're, we're advancing. The only other cool gadget in this whole movie was he has like a an apparatus that lets him breathe underwater for like four or five minutes. Um, but breathing underwater for four or five minutes is something I just expect James Bond to be able to do without a breathing apparatus. So that felt like an unnecessary gadget to me. Really, the rest of the gadgets in this film was a, an oversized camera. <clears throat> excuse me. An oversized camera geigometer thing. Um, and then, uh, the car, which did the same, the exact same thing as it did in the last one. And they just tried to like reemphasize that with this little segment that there is a steel plate that comes up, not even bulletproof glass, just a steel plate that comes up, um, which is not very large and wouldn't really protect much of anything. Uh, and then not even like an oil slick, but just like a, a water hose that shoots out the the back of the car. So I don't know. It seemed effective. I don't really understand why that would have been effective. Uh, fights and action. I also gave this a three. It just completely fell flat for me. I thought um, all of the underwater stuff, although it was cool and they were impressive looking shots, um, they're just very long and the action feels very slow like because it's underwater all the action is slow motion um or, or slowed down and so it just doesn't you know 
everyone can see every punch coming from a mile away. Um, and then the moment in this film that really bothered me was uh, when he's escaping from the car and he lights, he takes, it's like, it's just vodka or something. And, but you'd think it was like gasoline the way it, it just ignites into flame when he, when he lights it. Right. So it, it, it was a misrepresentation of what alcohol can do, which is a common thing in films. I get that. Uh, I just, I, I wasn't impressed. Um, Bond girl got a four. Domino's boring. I, I, I've got nothing else to say. Domino was boring. Uh, I think the problem is I'm holding everything to the standard of Honey Rider. To me, she's the quintessential Bond girl. She was the girl in the first one. Uh, and nobody, no Bond girl has, has captured my heart. I'm sick of Bond girls that have ties to the, the villain in the in the thing that that you're not really sure what side they're on and you know there's a lot of confusion that way i just want not even i don't want a damsel in distress i just want a third part a girl that somehow gets mixed up in everything that's going on i don't don't need i don't need this like sleeping with the enemy crap um supporting characters got a four um and and honestly, that that entire four is earned by Q showing up and Q's interaction, showing him the new gadgets, even though the gadgets are lame. But Q's got some funny quirks about like not enjoying briefing him in the field. He'd much rather brief him back at MI six and and all this stuff. And uh, I just yeah, any any film that's got Q in it, even if Q was the only supporting character, it automatically earns points because Q's Q's great. Uh, And the final category is Bond Song. I gave this a seven. Uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's my favorite Bond song, uh, but it might be. Um, And if it's not, it's close. If it's not my favorite, then it's my second favorite. It was a lot of fun. um, Felt very James Bond. And in fact, I would say that for the most part, the that Bond song sequence was actually the most James Bond feeling part of the entire movie. And then it went back to to just chaos. This is a bad James Bond movie. Like it's just not good. The acting's awful. It's very rapey. The gadgets are no good. The song's great. Uh and uh and that's it. Re- literally, the the song is the highest scoring thing in this entire friggin' movie. Uh, so that gives me, if I average all those up, that gives me a score of four point six. Um, yeah, which is which is lower. You know, my next lowest one was from Russia with Love, which got a five point one. Um, so this is by far not by. Well, I don't know by far, but it is definitely the lowest James Bond scoring, lowest scoring James Bond movie that I have watched thus far um which is four that's four james bond movies down um and i was i was very disappointed with this one now pete has some trivia for me which would normally have it at the start of the show he sent me some files i haven't listened to them yet i don't really know how to edit any of this together so i'm gonna listen to them and see what's what 
So Brady, as far as trivia, I've got two questions for you. The first being, where do you think this Bond film ranks on the tomato meter? Uh, so this is what we know so far. One was Goldfinger. Three was From Russia With Love. Four was Dr. No. The rest is an open slate. Where do you think Thunderball ranks on the list of James Bond's films with James Bond film with regarding the tomato meter? The second question, in the iconic gun barrel opening in which Bond shoots at the camera, who plays the role in Thunderball? So the first option would be stuntman Bob Simmons. The second would be Sean Connery himself. The third would be old reused footage from prior film. And the fourth, I have to say this, and this is a you know a little Easter egg for those who listened to our show back to the Lion King episode, the fourth option would be James Earl Jones himself. Okay, so for the first question, I, oh God, I have to think this scored low. I have to hope that this scored low. Because if it doesn't score low, then there's all kinds of crap that's worse than this, in which case, God help us. Uh, there's 27 of them. I'm going to say this scored number 20 because I... I don't know, because I'm, I I want to leave room for there to be films that are worse. Uh, but I have to think that this is this is a low scoring film. Um, for the other question, I think this is Sean Connery. And the reason I, I know that all the f- the first three films have been his stunt double uh, or the stuntman. Um, but I think this was noticeably a different gun barrel sequence. Um, and so maybe this is the first, maybe they refilmed it and this is the first time that Sean Connery's in it. Uh, so I, this is so awkward. I hate this. I hate, I hate this, that now I have to play a thing where Pete tells me the answers. It's bullshit. All right. What are the answers? As far as answers for the first question, Thunderball ranks sixth on the list at 88%. So I'm not sure exactly where you rank this film as far as Thunderball. I find this a little alarming because if Thunderball ranks sixth, that means there's a whole lot of film that ranked below it. And if I didn't like Thunderball, I'm worried that I won't like all the garbage that's below it. So I guess only time will tell. But right now that means Goldfinger's first, From Russia With Love third, Doctor No fourth, Thunderball sixth. As far as the second question... It was Sean Connery himself. Uh, so not only was Simmons the stunt coordinator on all the Bond films, except from Russia With Love, for the franchise's first quarter century, but he also doubled as Bond in the opening shot sequence in all the films, except for Thunderball, where Sean Connery took the honors himself in that film. Okay, I'm happy that I got the whole stunt double Sean Connery thing correct, but the fact that this scored number six terrifies me it i i don't know i i i have to hope that that rotten tomatoes is just completely out to lunch uh because it's got to get better it has to get way better than this way better it has to get way better than the four that we've already seen because if not then i don't understand why james bond is so popular because so far this film is really bad and the other four have just been underwhelming like I get Sean Connery's always talked about as like the quintessential James Bond. He's the James Bond. I've just been underwhelmed. 
Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see where this goes. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm sorry. This was not a good episode. I, I can feel it in my bones. Uh, it could have been better. It should have been better. You deserve better. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to convince Pete. Write, comment down below. Comment down below and say, Pete, damn it. Just record the episodes with him. Because what's the, like, honestly, what's the point? He had to take 15 minutes out of his time to do this anyway, to record small segments for it anyways, right? So, like, double the amount of time it takes and you've got a James Bond episode with me. Frig, what does he think? He just doesn't like me. He doesn't like me and he doesn't think you deserve a better episode. That's not true. He thinks you deserve the world, which is also not true.